Hello people, you're welcome to Pro Up Masterclass. My name is Tola T.A. Alabi. And in today's class, um, I'm going to be trying to answer some questions I got from a Twitter post I put up um, a couple of days ago. And um, I'll just read the post out and um, I'm going to be answering three questions I got from, from um, different people on different platforms. Um, so let me just read the post out. So the post says, one of the most important decisions a man can make is choosing a wife. No matter how hard he works or how big his ambitions, he only becomes the man his wife allows him to be. Now, once I put out this post uh, and I put it on all my platforms, Instagram, WhatsApp status, um, and Facebook, um, I got a lot of reaction and a lot of people were asking me to explain and I got quite a number of questions. So I'll start with the explanation, with a brief explanation of what I meant in this post. Now, um, I realized that a lot of men don't pay good attention to marriage until it's very close. So a lot of men don't prepare for marriage ahead of time. You don't see a lot of teenage boys talking about who they want to get married to. Um, you don't see a lot of people in their early 20s, young men in their early 20s, talking about who they want to get married to. A man starts thinking seriously about marriage, maybe late 20s, if at all, early 30s. Um, and then they start thinking about it. And they just see marriage as something that happens mm, when you want to settle down. And um, this is pretty concerning because marriage is a serious, is a very serious decision for a man. Um, on the flip side, women pre prepare for marriage very early on. Before a woman even enters her teenage years, you see a 10-year-old girl already thinking of the kind of man she wants to marry, what she feels her home should be, and things like that. They are very equipped. They buy a lot of books, um, listen to a lot of lessons, um, a lot of um, counseling on that, a lot of, um, even with the men, a lot of fathers don't talk to their sons about marriage very early. You find a lot of women talking to their daughters about preparing for marriage early. Um, but marriage is a very serious decision for, um, for men that men do not get to understand till they get married how serious this decision called marriage is. And um, it's, very it's very important because the decision affects the trajectory of a man's life. Very seriously, it does. And um, oh, 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 why I, I wrote that in that post is a woman dis allows a man to be who he should be. That means the woman, no matter how hard he works, no matter how great or big his ambition, he only becomes the man that um, his wife allows him to be. A lot of men might refute this, single men might refute this because we, we feel, oh, how can a woman allow me? I become the man I want to be. I don't need permission of anybody to become the man I want to be. No, that's not true. That's not true. And any married man will let you know that's not true. That is telling you the truth. will let you know that's not true. That might be true while you're single, it's definitely not true why you're married. And not true why you're married, whether you love your wife or not. It's not about 
it's not about, oh, you love her so much and she allows you to be just by the sheer fact that she is now a part of you will affect how far you go in life and how you're able to focus on the things that are important to you and will even affect the things that you consider are important to you. And there's a book I once once read, it's called The Meaning of Happiness by Alan Watts. It's a really good book. And um, there's a chapter where it talks about women and men and talks about the weakness of men being so rigid and the strength of men, of women being so flexible. And he compares women to water. And he says women are so strong because of their flexibility, like water. And he says water is one of the strongest things in the world. It can find its way into almost anything, but it never complains about the shape of the thing. It takes the form of the, of the thing. And by taking the form of the thing, it greatly affects the thing. It can destroy the thing from within just by taking its form. And that's why you see if water can enter a house, any house, it wouldn't complain about the corners in the house. No, it should take, it take the form of the corners. And by just staying there, by staying there, water is not like fire that ravages. Water just sits for a while and it seems like if it's not doing anything. But by staying there, it begins to chip into the corners of the house and can collapse the greatest house just by doing that. So he says that's the strength of women. Women are not rigid. They're not rigid. So they have um, a, a strength that he calls the strength of not contending. And he says the wise women have this. They don't contend. And by not contending, they're able to conquer. But he was talking about how even now in this generation, women are beginning to see this strength of not contending as a weakness. So they start to contend for things they really shouldn't contend for. And by contending, they lose that their power of flexibility. So women today, the feminist movement is trying to make women like men. To say we must be strong, we must contend, we must fight for our own. And by doing that, they are beginning to lose their influence. It's an amazing book by Alan Watts, um, The Meaning of Happiness. I recommend to anyone who will take time to read it. Um, so, yeah, women can influence a man by, by this. And the Bible does tell us this too. The very first story in the Bible, the story of creation, Adam and Eve, the man was influenced by the woman. And it says the serpent approached the woman, said the serpent was the craftiest. Now, no one in the snake that was the craftiest. It was the spirit behind the snake at that time, which was the spirit of the devil, of Satan. And we must understand that Satan was one of the wisest, was the wisest angel in heaven at that time. The most beautiful and the wisest. Those were the two qualities he had. A lot of people talk about the beauty of Satan when Lucifer, when he was in heaven. But a lot of people forget to talk about he has two major skills. He was the angel of beauty and was the angel of wisdom. He had wisdom. So Satan is incredibly, incredibly wise. And when he came upon the serpent, that wisdom came upon the serpent too. And what did this wisest being that God had made at that time, how did he approach man? He approached man through the woman. That was not foolish. He approached man through the woman because he knew that that woman could influence man greatly. Greatly. He knew that Adam didn't stand a chance once Eve ate that fruit first. So women are highly influential. That's what the Bible tells us. 
and they can either lead you to do what God wants you to do or lead you to do something that would really destroy your career and your image for life. And there are two characters that look at the Bible to use to illustrate this. This Abraham. Now Abraham in the Bible was promised by God he would be the father of all nations. And after a while, Abraham started to lose sight of this promise and tried to help God. And um, him and his wife started to lose sight. So his wife almost took him off the path and the same wife put him back on the path. So his wife said, this thing is taking too long. Why don't you have my maid, Haggai? Um, is it Haggai or Haggai? Sorry, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. But she gave Abraham her maid. And Abraham slept with her maid, which was okay in those times, you understand. Um, he slept with her maid and they had a child. And when they had a child, um, the maid started to act up um, with her master, which was who was Sarah at that time. And her, um, Sarah was, was, you know, it kind of caused some fiction between them. But, you know, when that happened, God gave Abraham and Sarah their own child. And the child of Abraham and her maid, who was much older than the child of Abraham and his wife, Sarah, started to taunt um, Abraham's son, um, Isaac. And the son of Abraham and his maid was Ishmael. So Ishmael was much older. He was the son of the maid. Isaac was the son of the wife. And he started to taunt um, Isaac. Ishmael started to taunt Isaac. And um, Sarah wasn't having any of that. So she asked him to get rid of Hagar, the maid, and her son. And um, Abraham didn't want to do this. The Bible makes it clear that this troubled him greatly. Um, but you see, that's what God wanted him to do. And the only person that could influence him to do that was his wife, to get him back on the right path. As long as that um, illegitimate son was there, he, he was, was off the path. So God wanted him to get off the path. Who did God go through? His wife. His wife convinced him to get her out of the wife. And he did that. So, um, to get um, Hagar and her son out of the house and send them away. So he did that even though he didn't want to. He did it. So God convinced him that the wife was right. So you see, that's, that, that, that's a scenario where a wife was able to influence her husband to do something he really didn't want to do. But would put him in alignment with God's plan. Now, when we read through the Bible further, many, many years later, um, we come to another couple. And this we see Herod and his wife then in the New Testament, um, in, in the Israel that had been occupied by the Romans. Now, Herod was, the, was um, a, a king, you know, of the Jews. He was a king, was in charge of them. And um, he had a wife. He had a wife, his um, brother's wife, and they had gotten married. And this was a huge scandal because his brother wasn't dead. So he married his brother's wife, who had left his brother, and she hadn't given his brother a divorce. They weren't divorced. They just, the brother had just gone on exile, and he took the brother's wife. So this was a big scandal. And there was a man called John the Baptist who used to talk about this scandal and tell Herod that what he was doing was wrong. Now, Herod knew what he was doing was wrong, his wife knew what they were doing was wrong. And so they had him ha arrested because he was just exploding the scandal. And um, when they had him arrested, um, the wife wanted 
um, John executed. She just she wasn't satisfied with the fact that he was in jail. She wanted him dead. You understand? Because she was so upset by the fact that he was he was um, destroying her public image. Now, how did she get Herod to, to kill him? She had appealed to him, but Herod, you know, had a thing for him. You understand? Um, a thing in the sense that he enjoyed listening to John the Baptist, even though he was telling the truth that hurt. He felt he needed that truth in his life. So he didn't want to kill him. But she got him to kill him. And she knew that Herod had a soft spot for her, for her daughter. And she knew what she had to do. And she was able to put all those things in place where she got the daughter to demand that Herod kill John the Baptist. Now, Herod didn't want to kill John the Baptist, but he did. And this was orchestrated by his wife. And that haunted him for the rest of his life and destroyed his public image finally. You understand? That, was that, that, that really haunted him, you know. And um, that was probably the worst mistake, other than taking his brother's wife that Herod made. And so that's another example of a man that was influenced by his wife to do something he really did not want to do. But he had no option. Immediately his wife has set the ball rolling. So that's just to set a precedence to the fact that women are very influential, especially when they're in the position of a wife. So a man has to be very careful and take it very seriously. The choice of a wife. Very important. Now, the first question I got asked, by a friend of mine on WhatsApp was, does this also imply, does this also affect women? Can we switch this around and say women should um, take this choice of a husband very seriously because no matter how hard she works or whatever ambitions are, she only becomes the woman her husband allows her to be? To an extent, yet, yes, it's important for a woman to take the choice of her spouse seriously. However, it's not as important as it is for a man. If you are going to look at how, what you are going to achieve, mm, it's not as important. Um, and, I was, and it's funny that women prepare more, but then a woman can go on to be what she wants to be in spite of the character of her husband. That's the reality. It doesn't throw them off that much as it does the men. So, it, it, you can't flip it on its side. It's important for each person to get married to the person, um, the love that aligns with their values and things like that. But a woman can still achieve a lot without the support of a man. It's very hard for a man to achieve that much and be the person he's meant to be without the support of a woman. But it's very easy for a woman. It's, it's easier, let me put it, for a woman. You can't flip it. Because we are more influenced by women than women are influenced by men. And so when you look at both stories, the story of Adam, Adam, um, Eve did not need the um, permission of Adam to make that decision. She didn't need the influence of Adam. She didn't need to see Adam eat it too before she ate it. She ate, she, she, she kind of took her destiny in her own, in her own hands. She made the decision without seeing somebody else make that decision. She didn't need any social validation. She validated herself. So she didn't do it for the man. She did it for herself. And this is a character that women have that men do not have. And that's why they are a very strong force. We must realize that the world <laughs> literally rotates around women. 
That's the truth. Um, and that's why I tell people that do business. If you can appeal to the female folk, you have a very strong business. If you can appeal to the female folk. If you can. If you are doing a business that appeals to women, you, you already have a very strong business model. Just by, by that virtue. That you appeal to women. And I'll tell you why. Because everybody does it for women. The men do it for the women. The women do it for the women. The women don't do it for the men. The men do it for the women. And I'll put it this way. When a man dresses well and um, buys good clothes and dresses well and wears good perfume, a lot of times he's doing it to think the validation of a woman means more to him than the validation of a man. So if a man says, you're looking good, you're smelling good, that's good. It, it, it raises the esteem a, a little bit. But if he goes out and a woman says it, it raises the esteem a lot. Women, men do it for the woman. So a man will go back and buy that perfume. If one woman tells him, if he has two perfumes, and one perfume he uses, and a hundred men tell him, you smell so good, and another perfume he uses, and only one woman tells him he smells good, if you were to go back and refill one, it will refill the one that one woman told him it smells so good. Not the one that a hundred men told him it smells so good. Do you understand? Even if a thousand men told him it felt so good, it doesn't compare to that one woman that, tell him, that tells him that other perfume makes him smell better. So we do it for, for the women. Women also do it for the women. Don't ever get it confused. If a, woman should, if a woman should buy a perfume and a hundred men should tell her she smells so good and two women should tell her she smells so good in another one, she will go for the one that the two women tell her. The one that two women say, wow, what are you using? This perfume is incredible. They do it for the women too. Women like to win over other women. That's why infidelity is such a grievous thing women that another woman won over her torments her seriously it's not the fact that the man went out it's that another woman won over her so men do it for the woman women do it for the women women are so powerful that's why in the story of Saul and and um, David what really tormented Saul was the song the woman sang she didn't pay attention to the soldiers. I'm sure the soldiers respected David too and they cheered him. Oh, this man really killed this um, giant, Goliath. And how did he do it? This is such an awesome feat. You understand? A lot of soldiers must have been hailing him. But, he, but that didn't torment Saul. What tormented Saul was the fact that the woman sang that he killed. So he saw killed thousands and David had killed 10,000. That song by the woman was a problem. His image in the eyes of the woman. So women, men do it for women. Women do it for women. And that's why when you look at um, people that commit crime, um, it's, it's easier for a man to steal to impress a woman than to steal to oppress his fellow man. A man would steal money 
to get things to impress a woman. But he won't steal money to make his fellow guy feel like he's higher than him in status. That's not so, that's not so important to us as men. But that we will steal stuff to get things, cars, shoes, watches, you know, position that makes us more attractive to women. So we will steal to impress a woman, but a man would rarely steal to oppress his fellow man. Now, on the flip side, a woman would hardly steal to impress a man. A woman would not steal to impress a man. To impress a man that she's in a relationship with, no. She wouldn't steal to impress him. She impresses him by the fact that she's a woman already. So she wouldn't do anything extra to try to impress him that would lead her to steal. And that's why a lot of times it might seem like women in public office might work better because they wouldn't steal to impress a side a side a side guy. You understand? Like a man, a man will steal to impress a side chick. You understand? You would steal, still. That's why a lot of politicians steal. If you look at the core of it, it's to impress a woman, to get a woman. You understand? So they'll steal to buy a car, steal to buy a house, but a woman won't do that. Won't particularly do that. More men would do that than women would do that. There might be the old woman that would do that. But before you find the old woman, you might have found like thousands of men that have done that. Men will steal to impress a woman, but not steal to oppress a man. Women, on the other hand, would readily steal to oppress another woman. You understand? To rub it in that I am higher in status than you. So they will steal to buy that car. Not to impress men, but to show other women that they are far ahead of them. They will steal to buy those shoes, to buy those... Do, do, that, that, that is where... That's the Achilles heel of a woman. It's other women. You understand? So the same thing goes in this situation. A woman can become who she is despite who her husband is. His attitude. She, she would still go out and fulfill those things she's meant to fulfill. She would. She would. That's why you would see a woman who might have lost her husband and things like that. She would still raise her kids and still rise up in society, you understand, and still. But a man who has lost his wife, a lot of times needs to get another woman in his life. Because a man needs a woman's validation to keep him going. A woman might not marry again. And she still keeps going, raise the kids, you know, that goes up the rank at work and still achieves great, great things. That's why a separation, a lot of times, might, might affect a man um, in achieving than it might affect a woman. The only thing might be financial capacity. But um, if, if they are both in a place where they both have financial capacity, a woman will grow, go out and even become stronger after she has left her husband. But a man would, would need somebody else in that house to balance because then distraction has come in. So he's distracted by what he's going to eat, what he's going to wear, how the school kids are going to do. You know, that's not a distraction for women. For women. She's able to still get on with activities with those things because those things have become a part of her life. So they don't distract her even career-wise. So no, you can't flip the table. And that's why men must take it very seriously. Because you need this person to help you become who you desire to be. Now, the second question I got was from someone on Facebook who asked, um, then does a man need to marry? It's not just better not to get married. So that you can achieve all the things you want to achieve. Just don't get married. Marriage that important. Since 
um, it's now up to the person you marry to allow you to be who you want to be. And you know, a lot of guys struggled with that. Now, we struggle with that because we're not sure of our choices. And I'll come to our choice very soon, how we make our choices. But it's the, it's the other option not to even get married at all so that there is nobody dictating how far you get. Now, it might sound like a good option, but it isn't. It's a very dangerous thing for a man who still has interest in women to choose not to get married. Very dangerous thing. Very dangerous thing. That you still have sexual interest in women and you decide not to get married, then you're going to get entangled with more women than you can even envisage. And um, they are, there's, there's going to be more stress on you because the woman wants to get married. And then you're going to deal with pressure of women saying that you should commit. You should, and that in itself is a distraction. So you might choose as a man, I don't want to get married. And you keep moving up the ladder and following your dreams and following your ambition. But then you still have interest in women. And that means you still take sexual pleasure from intercourse with women. And that means that sexual pleasure has to be released in one way. So you might choose not to marry, but if you choose not to involve yourself with women again, those are two different things. Because a lot of men that choose not to marry still go around having sex with women. And that in itself is a problem. The more women you have sex with, the more you want your commitment and the more stress and fatigue that is going to cause for you. So you now need to start evading them after having sex with them when they start demanding that they want a marriage commitment. And that's going to distract you. The second thing <clears throat> and the most important thing is there is nothing sadder than um, or let me put it this way. The saddest thing is not a person not achieving their potential in life. That's sad that someone goes through life and never gets to achieve their full potential or do the things that they dream. Mm -mm. That's very sad. But there's something even worse than that. And what is worse than that is somebody achieving their potential and doing the things they've dreamed to do, always dreamed to do, but doing it lonely. Doing it at the expense of the warmth of a family. That is the saddest thing ever. Achieving those things that you want, but then achieving it lonely. It comes at the cost of human warmth, of having a family that is proud of you. That's the saddest thing. It's sad not to achieve things in life, but, it's the, but the saddest thing is to achieve those things and what it cost you was being in a family or having a family that can say, our father, my husband, achieved this. You understand? Accepting those awards without being able to say, I dedicate this to my wife, I dedicate this to my children, just to say, I dedicate this to me for all the hard work I did. It's very sad. And I'll tell you why loneliness is the saddest thing. Because poverty means that you failed financially. That's what poverty means. It means that you failed financially. You didn't meet up to the standards that financial wisdom set for you. Do you understand? So you failed financially. That's what poverty is. 
Loneliness means that you failed as a human in your human interaction. When you live a life and you're lonely, nobody in your life. You go home, nobody to go home to. Nobody to hug you when you are sad. Nobody to laugh with. What that means is that you have lived, you have failed, not financially, you have failed on a human level. That's the worst failure ever. To fail on a human level. So when a man says, I'm not going to get married, that means every time he comes home from work, he's coming home to himself. When he watches TV, he watches TV himself. When he eats, he eats by himself. When he goes to bed, he goes to bed by himself. When he, you know, everything happens, he has failed on a human level. That means he has lived his life not to accommodate anyone on an intimate level. And that's the greatest failure. Greatest failure. Greater than poverty. That's why loneliness hurts so much. People don't understand the sting of loneliness. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. So the option of, can I not just get married so that I don't have to deal with a wife that allows me to do stuff? Yeah, but that comes at the cost of being lonely. That's even a worse failure. It's better to have a wife that, that um, doesn't allow you to be who you are than to be who you are and have nobody. It's terrible. It causes early death. It causes early death. Your life is always at risk. There have been so many sad stories of men that collapsed in their mansions and nobody found them, but their maid, their maid came in the next day and found them on the floor in their bathroom or dead in their bed. Or thought they were in the room and just slept and they didn't find them for, for hours till their bodies are bloated and the stench started coming out to the streets. That is a terrible way for a person to go. Without a family to even find you and cover you and weep over you. That's terrible. So that's not an option. The option is finding the right wife to build the best family with. Which brings me to my third and final question. How can a man find the right wife and this was also by my friend on whatsapp he says how is this such thing as a wife right wife how do i find this right person for me how how do i find this person that allows me to be all i can be and this is where i will talk to men men must get it right it is highly important there's only one thing important in finding a wife there's only one thing that matters the most not how cute she is how great her body shape is, her figure is. See, women are spending a lot of money on things that are not the standard by which men should judge women. You know, doing all this surgery to get curvier, to increase their bust, to enlarging their, their hips, to lighten their skin. Those are not criteria by which you choose a wife. That doesn't show the woman that is meant for you. And a lot of men are going by this criteria. Trophy wives. Trophy wives that look like a trophy you can put on a shelf. It's not by that. It's not by her level of education, her intelligence, um, her not really by her spirituality, how hard she prays. No, no, those are not the most important things. All these things are good. Even the physical attraction is good. But the most important thing a man needs to do before getting married is to find his assignment. A young man must find his assignment in God early. And that means a young man must get to know God. It's very important. Very important. 
<clears throat> a lot of young men put off knowing God. Without knowing God, you can't choose a good wife. Because you must know what God wants you to do with your life. Even, even, even if it's not crystal clear, you have a foggy idea. It's better than someone that has no idea. So a lot of young men spend their youth working, 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 working hard. You understand? Rising up a job. Um, the corporate ladder. You understand? Building a business. But then they've not stopped to really ask God, is this what you want me to be doing in my life? Should I be working in this organization even though I'm rising up and getting seven figures, eight figures, traveling the world? I got a big apartment, great cars, fast cars. You understand? You must ask God, is this what you want for my life? Some guys are busy building businesses, businesses, and the businesses are doing so well and they're putting their energy into it because they feel those things are the things that need to be put in place before you find a wife. And they don't stop to ask God, do you really want me to be doing? Is this the business you want me to be doing? Do you want me to be doing business at all? Is this what I should be doing? If a man doesn't know what he should be doing, he cannot choose his wife. Because the standard for choosing the right wife is the wife that aligns with your God-given assignment. That is the wife that will allow you to be who you ought to be. A wife that aligns with your God-given assignment. The problem is a lot of guys do not care about what their God-given assignments are till they're in their 40s or in their 50s. Their men start looking for meaning and looking for God. After they've looked for alcohol, drugs, money, women, all those things will lead you away from God. The, the undisciplined use of all those things apart from drugs which you shouldn't use at all will, will lead you away from God will lead you away from God but that's what men are focused on that when they have all these things they start looking for God but then you've accumulated all those things then you've started a family and then you've taken in a wife that doesn't know you as a godly man and a man with a mission and then men start to try to force in a godly assignment with a wife that was not acquainted with it. And that's why you now have women saying, no, 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 I can't do this thing. I'm not willing to move to this place that you're asking us to move to. You cannot quit your job because our kids are, are already in these schools. They cannot come out of these schools. My friends already know my, they're, in, they're in the schools that my friends' kids too are in. Oh, what will I tell my friends? You understand? And then you are saying you want to quit your job to start one mission. You want to quit your job to start one business because God has told you to start a business. No, you stay in that job that you hate, with that boss that you hate. Because our life is already built around this. My sense of style is already built around this. The friends I talk to are already built around this. You cannot turn my life upside down. And then the man starts to complain. Oh, I have this woman that doesn't, ask, doesn't allow me to do the things I want to do. I want to give. I want to start this business that God has. But my wife is a stumbling block. No, you, you were the one that didn't put the right things first. You didn't search for the right things first, which was what God was asking you to do, what God wants with your life, what your assignment is. You find your assignment first, then you find a wife. Then God brings about a wife. You don't even need to go about finding. God brings about somebody that aligns with your assignment. What women really want is stability. And stability comes from the beginning. They want to see where they are, what they are going into. 
because women have what they call foresight. So when the, when a woman accepts you to marry you, what she has seen is what you could become. And if she's comfortable with what you can become, she's ready to commit to it. But the problem is you cannot change halfway and distort her life because she worked with foresight. So that's what a lot of men, a lot of men don't have foresight. They're doing it for now. So they get to a place and they're like, oh, what do I now want to become now that I'm 40? And then they change halfway. Then there's fiction between him and the wife. So you must know. You must know. And as I said, it doesn't have to be crystal clear. A lot of times not crystal clear, but you may have a foggy idea. God wants me to be working in a business. I might not even know what the business is, but I know I should be working in a business. So you know that this whole corporate thing, tendering CV is not part of it. The wife meets you working in a business. What she's going to try to do is to help you express that business in the best way. <clears throat> God wants you to be working an employment, not a business. You start working in employment. You might not be paying the best job, but she meets you working that employment and not paying the best. And then she helps you to achieve more and to express yourself better. So the kind of woman you should marry is a woman that aligns with your assignment. Very important. So I hope this helps somebody who is listening to this today. It's very important that men listen to this. Very important that women listen to this. Um, and they make the right decisions in building relationships, especially marriage relationships. <clears throat> 